0: And our New Testament lesson this morning is the story of Pentecost from Acts 2, verses 1 through 18. Here again, the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, and they said to each other, what does this mean? But others sneered, and they said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea, And all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Let us pray. Lord, from this wonderful and mysterious old story, speak to us. And let us hear. Amen. Today we celebrate Pentecost. Some people call it the birthday of the church. As a lifelong Presbyterian, I prefer to think of it as a day when Presbyterians talk about the Holy Spirit without squirming too much in our seats. That might be a little harsh, but not entirely wrong. Presbyterians are known for our devotion to study, and to a faith that seeks understanding. And no matter how you cut it, the Holy Spirit defies understanding. One of my favorite rituals in the cycle of church life comes each spring when young people who have gone through the confirmation process share their faith journeys. A couple of years ago, I was listening to a class of confirmands nervously read the statements they had written. These young teenagers had been through a year of class and conversation, getting to the moment when they would decide whether or not to join the church with their own voices. They'd been given some questions to guide their writing of their faith statements. And the first question was, What do you believe about the Trinity? One 14-year-old started confidently with, I believe in the triune God. Good start. And then she had a paragraph about each person of the Trinity. She spoke clearly and beautiful about who God is and what God has done, and then about how she knows Jesus Christ. And then she paused and sighed a little, And she said, and I believe in the Holy Spirit, which is the third thing in the Trinity. (laughs) End of paragraph. (laughs) She had nothing more to say about the Holy Spirit. I appreciated her honesty, frankly. Seekers of all ages and all traditions are confounded when we try to put words to what the Spirit is and what the Spirit does. We can rattle off the actions of God. God created and ordered the world and delivered God's people. And Jesus Christ, he came into the world as a human being, taught and did miracles and saved us from our sins. But the Holy Spirit did what exactly? Moved in and through all of that, empowered it, animated it, rushed in as a violent wind? Well, yes, and yet this divine power is still a mystery to us. This third thing in the Trinity, this third person of the Trinity, defies our logic and understanding, and that's why I love Pentecost. I need a reminder, more often than once a year, really, that a power I cannot see or define with a list is at work in the world. Each Pentecost, we hear this old story of the birth of the church and the role the Spirit had to play that day. And if we're listening, we hear what the Spirit is doing in us, too. That day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit did two essential things. It gave people the ability to speak about God and it gave people the openness to hear about God. Without the Holy Spirit, nothing would have happened that day. The disciples wouldn't have said a word to the gathered crowd because they didn't speak their language, and the crowd wouldn't have heard God's good news or become part of a new community of faith. When the disciples left the upper room, they found a crowd of people from all kinds of different places, but they couldn't preach to them or tell them about God, except that inexplicably, they could. Miraculously, they could. Luke tells us that the Spirit gave the disciples the ability to speak in languages they didn't even understand themselves. They were talking about God's work without even knowing what they were saying. And the Spirit gave the listeners the ability to hear. Everyone who was gathered was so amazed that they asked, how is it that we can hear, each of us? That's the work of the Holy Spirit, bridging the divides of language and culture so that all who were gathered could hear the good news they needed that day. Now, I have never suddenly been able to speak a language I haven't studied. The opposite, actually. I've often visited places where I have studied the language, and I've still struggled to be understood. I took 12 years of French, and Parisians sneer at me when I'm trying my very best. But I have had the experience of the Spirit interceding with a message that needed to be spoken and a message that needed to be heard. Now preachers, as you might guess, can get really attached to our words, sometimes to our detriment. We read and study and we write sermons and we can sometimes think that our words carry the good news of the gospel out into the world. But the first time I preached through a translator I learned in a very real way that it is not my word that lets others hear God. It is the power of the Holy Spirit by which we hear. About eight years ago, I started traveling to Cuba each year with a group from Atlanta. This was at a prior church. Now I've had the chance to go with Trinity as well. If you go to Cuba, it's a bit like going back in time. And as you move away from Havana out into the countryside, you go farther and farther back in time. I was in a little town called Perico. It has dirt roads, very few cars, mostly carts and donkeys or horses and buggies. In that town of Perico, there's a tiny Iglesia Presbyteriano, and it's on one of the main dirt roads. It has maybe 80 people in its membership, but many other people come to this church regularly because it has the only water filtration system for the whole town. As you all have probably heard, tap water is not safe for drinking in Cuba. So an organization called Living Waters for the World has helped to get systems in place around the country to provide clean water. The Presbyterian Church has the system for the town of Perico, and it's in a little squat cement-looking hut behind the little church. It's nothing fancy. It's a couple of huge tanks, a couple of filters, and a wall of spigots, just like the ones you use to connect your garden hose outside to water your yard. Twice each week, the whole town lines up to get water. People come from as far as they have to. They come on bikes, on foot, sometimes with a wheelbarrow, sometimes with the pole with two buckets to balance to carry on a back. They have jugs, they have buckets that are used for other things the rest of the week. Anything they need to get water home without spilling it after their turn. It takes a long time for the whole town to fill their containers at these little faucets. So while they're gathered, people talk. The pastor of this little church checks in with them, and she uses that time to encourage them and to invite them back. She has a stash of other things that people might need, like reading glasses and ibuprofen and Tums, things that can't be purchased in stores in Cuba. Crayons and lined handwriting paper for the kids who run to the church after school. So people come for the water, but the scene is a true picture of church. When I saw this in action the first time, I was moved. There isn't an equivalent for those of us who don't have to go somewhere and wait for something as necessary as water. So when I was first invited to preach at that little church, I just had to talk about the witness of this twice-weekly water gathering. But my Spanish is meager, so I needed to preach with the help of a translator at that little church the following Sunday. I prepared the way I would to preach at home in Atlanta. I wrote out a manuscript of my sermon I wrote about Jesus and the woman at the well. I wrote about Jesus seeing people who were outsiders and welcoming them in. I wrote about the life-giving power of water. I think I threw in something about baptism to drive that point home. Bless my heart. It was a great sermon it had a well, it had renewing water, it had the sacrament of baptism, it had Jesus being Jesus, it had community springing forth as a result. It was tight. Well, that morning, our bus had trouble on the road, so we were late to church, and the small sanctuary was already packed when we got there. It was well over 100 degrees in the room, and there is no air conditioning. The church does have electricity, though, and knowing that their American friends were delicate flowers, our Cuban neighbors had brought floor fans into the sanctuary and had run extension cords out of the church all the way to the house next door and plugged them into the wall. I wasn't wearing a robe that morning, thanks be to God, but I was still pouring sweat by the time we got to the sermon in that beautiful worship service. My new friend, the translator, and I got up, and at that moment, the power went out. The fans had blown a fuse, and the air in the church got real hot and very still. I read the scripture anyway. Then I read the first two sentences of my sermon and paused for the translation. The translator said four words. I was confused. Surely it took more than four words to say the carefully crafted thing I had just said. So I looked over at her and she nodded at me to keep going. So I read another sentence or two, same thing. All the way through that sermon, I had been so proud of, she managed to use about a third of the words I had. I was consciously thinking, I have no idea what she's saying. Actually, it was more like the disciples at Pentecost. I didn't know what I was saying through her. I was sure the nuanced theological message I intended could not have come through with so few words. And as I pushed on, I was thinking, I hope this means something. I hope this means anything. About halfway through, From heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the sanctuary. Actually, someone opened the front doors, and a breeze rushed into the room. And at the same moment, someone else flipped a breaker, and the floor fans came back on. And suddenly, blessedly, air moved. A divine wind, it felt like at the moment, swept across the room. As I stood there anxiously hoping to convey even a little bit about God's deeds of power, sweat running embarrassingly down my entire body, that could not have been more obviously the presence of the Spirit. I relaxed then and the translator and I made it to the end of the sermon. All afternoon, people came up to talk. And to my amazement, they had each heard something different. That morning. I truly do not know what I said, but I realized then and there that my words didn't matter very much. The Holy Spirit had moved in that place, and people had heard what they needed to hear about God's good news. An older lady thanked me for the sermon about God providing the water they need. A young mother talked about her daughter being loved by the community. A sun born older man in a hat came over to tell me that he doesn't like church, but he does like Water Day because he gets to see his friends. A teenager had heard a message about church giving her a place to play her guitar. I'm sure I never said the word guitar. A woman who was a teacher said, I never thought of this as a well but now I will think of this as a place where I could meet Jesus. Did I say any of those things? I don't know. Did those people hear them? Yes. That is the work of the Holy Spirit, giving us the ability to speak and to hear the good news for each of us. That day felt stressful and chaotic for me until the Spirit moved, and I released my own need to understand and control what was happening. It was something like that for those early disciples and the gathered crowd that first day of Pentecost. Chaotic, perplexing, amazing. Some wanted to explain the mystery away. This cacophony of languages must mean that the people were drunk and speaking gibberish. But what looked like chaos was the Holy Spirit moving When the Spirit moves, it gives people a message they just didn't have before. Take Peter, for example. We remember that Peter's own faith journey was a bit of a roller coaster. While Jesus was on earth, Peter was all in. He was the eager disciple who walked at the front of the line and volunteered for whatever needed doing. But in Jesus' last hours on earth, Peter couldn't bring himself to say that Jesus was his Lord. Peter denied him and followed only at a distance. But here at Pentecost, Peter is transformed. Through the Holy Spirit, Peter hears the call to speak up. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he suddenly has the words he needs to say. It's Peter who stands up to the scoffers and the sneerers in the crowd, who stands up to talk about God's vision for God's world. The Spirit is doing that same work in us, helping us to hear what we need, giving us the words to share God's good news. Sometimes the Spirit compels us to stand up as a community against forces bigger than any one of us. When we see the impacts of racism and generational poverty, and abuse of God's earth, and endless gun violence, and we get lumps in our throats so that it hurts to swallow, the Spirit is moving in us. And we hear God saying, this is not my vision for my world. The Holy Spirit helps us hear the call to speak out when others don't, and when it's unpopular, even when people sneer, and make fun. It's the Holy Spirit that lets us hear. And it's this same Spirit that gives us the courage to speak. Just like Peter, who was transformed from a cautious disciple, afraid he'd get something wrong, into one who speaks boldly, trusting that God will give him the words. The Holy Spirit is calling us to cross barriers too. The Spirit compels us to look around at the brokenness of the world and to speak up to say, this is not God's vision for God's world. This Pentecost, what message is the Spirit calling us to hear? And what is the Spirit calling us to say? Like those early disciples, may we receive the gift of this same Spirit so that we might hear and share God's good news. Amen.